Welcome to another episode of The Southern Roost, a member of the Flyways and Highways Collective. If you are looking for the show about what's happening in the world of waterfowl, you are in the right place. From the sportsman's paradise capital of the world, I am your host, Aaron Head. Join with me in this endeavor is my co-host, Mr. Ryan Berthelot. Join us as we keep a pulse on the duck beat across our flyways. Welcome back, everyone. Before we dive into the show we have for you today, we just wanted to give a brief little pre-intro to our actual show. This show is going to be an interview with Dr. Phil Lavretsky out of the University of Texas at El Paso, and he is bringing out a brand new program called Duck DNA. And so basically, Ducks Unlimited, DU, has partnered with the Phil Lavretsky Lab over at UTEP to bring out this awesome product. And so we are interjecting this episode in the middle of our Model Duck miniseries. So in reality, the reason why we're doing this little pre-intro is because we actually first recorded Phil Lavretsky several months ago for this Model Duck miniseries to be timed to come out prior to the Louisiana Gulf Coast opening day duck season of November the 11th on purpose so we could brief hunters just about more of the fascinating uh, DNA knowledge about model ducks. That'll be an episode that's coming out in the future. So in this episode we have recorded with Dr. Phil Lavretsky today, this is actually our second recording with Dr. Phil Lavretsky, but in a chronological sequence of how these episodes will release, this episode's going to come out first because we wanted to push this awesome new product that he just came out working with. He got a lot of really good funding. It's going to have a lot of fascinating info on how we can actually be citizen scientists here as duck hunters in the blind. And so we put this episode first, and so we might be talking in future tense, past tense, because of how these episodes are going to air out. So I wanted to apologize for that, but I think this episode still remains constant. We still wanted to keep our original programming of the Model Duck miniseries in the order it actually came out. So I think everyone's going to really love this episode today. Without further ado, we'll get into the episode, so stay tuned. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Southern Roost Podcast. We're with our good friend from the University of Texas, El Paso, Dr. Philip Lavretsky. How's it going today, Dr. Phil? Pretty good, Aaron. I'm happy to be here. Happy to talk about ducks. Awesome. I know uh, we're focusing this podcast topic on duck DNA, uh, not just generally talking about it, but it's actually, I'm using air quotes here, but it's actually registered trademark, uh, you know, pretty much it's an actual noun, I guess I would say. And so I'll let you go ahead and kind of roll into your background and we'll get right into it. Yeah, yeah. So my background, so I'm a professor here, associate professor here at the University of Texas, El Paso. I run a wildlife genetics lab, uh, primarily focused on waterfowl, though we do about everything under the sun. And uh, so so I've been studying waterfowl for now over a decade, uh, looking at you know, you know, as our moniker goes, is uh, field to gene. We do everything from sort of your more applied basic ecology work where we're catching, banding, putting telemetry units on ducks, doing some habitat work. But the unique thing about us is that we foundationally change what what the some of the data, which is which is genetics. We we incorporate genetics in a way that provides us a better a more complete foundation to then ask more in-depth questions uh, so that way we can actually, you know, stop assuming something is a single population if it really isn't, understanding hybridization, understanding why individuals are going to certain locations by having that kind of genetic background, that sort of foundational uh, background that is necessary to 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 be more prepared or more um 
have have better information to make inferences that may or may not be biased without it. Awesome. I'll interject real quick here. I know it's a it's a lot of so for our listeners in the future, we'll have another podcast rolling out with Dr. Lavretsky here that's gonna dive into a more deep down rabbit hole on different DNA projects he's been on. We that podcast should be rolling out here in probably the next six weeks or less, right before our season opens up on November 11th. It's set to here in the coastal zone of Louisiana. It's set to drop around that week or about seven days prior to season opener. So we'll get a really good deep dive on the nuances of some of his genetic work as far as uh, model ducks is how we kind of focused our previous topic of conversation on. But we also talked, went down the rabbit hole a little bit about mallards. We did a little bit of other species, the dusky duck in Texas. I remember us talking about. So for listeners that's catching us, um, listen us listening in order. This one will probably air before the one right before the season opens on November 11th. But we wanted to get this awesome project that Dr. Lavretsky has been working on called Duck DNA out there first. So uh, if you're a little confused, that means you got to listen to the two episodes. So hang in there. All right. So uh, that's a little bit of background on Dr. Phil. So um, we'll go ahead and move into your Duck DNA project. Tell us a little bit about what it is and kind of how it's exciting for hunters like myself. Yeah, so duck DNA is is a concept that I've been thinking about over the last decade or so, and that and that's really like how to engage and get you know about a million of us duck hunters involved in in collecting and getting data on waterfowl, you know, across the nation, across time. Uh, the, the, this was always a thing that I wanted to do. And so, uh, a big part of my, my program is, is providing that sort of, uh, information to hunters, just, just naturally, uh, as people learned about my work and maybe they shot some interesting hybrid or wanted to provide samples for one of, one of the many projects that we do, you know, they would contact me and I'd say, of course, you know, bring it in. Um, but it was always a way, you know, the, the problem is always funding, you know, I'm, I'm always sort of sprinkling them out, uh, uh, on other projects when there is funding for those things. Uh, so there was always a time lag that, that I was always, you know, so, sort of uncomfortable. I, I wish I could get people data faster. And so this sort of, you know, this is how I kind of ran it for a long time. And then, um, me, you know, talking with Dr. Mike Brazier with Ducks Unlimited, all of a sudden came up with this idea of, hey, why don't we try to make this a reality? Ducks Unlimited was looking for some new projects and Mike was all about some of this work. We've done several podcasts with Ducks Unlimited. I should go listen to them. And uh, and so this seemed like a great marriage between Ducks Unlimited and my program where we could design a program around this idea of this uh, citizen science idea to engage the hunter base and get them to sort of re-up and get data at data that does not exist for any other wildlife species. You know, we so so to be able to engage the waterfowl hunter and get them to, you know, take a piece of piece of their sample, you know, their their bird, they provide us a bit of information on where they shot it uh, and all of these types of things. So we can then later do some, some really cool science on them, but then the hunter themselves get data back there. They could be like, instead of everybody arguing like, Oh, is it a pintail mallard or this or that? And, you know, you could be like, no, hundred percent. You know, I know that this thing is, is definitely not a pintail mallard. In fact, it was just like a barnyard duck or something like that. 
So we will, what participants will get is that, you know, they provide um, tissue and that tissue is just like a piece of tongue, a little bit, a little piece of tongue uh, clipped off and put into a vial with buffer that you get from us. Uh, and so, and then when we finish gen- all the genetic analysis, you'll get a certificate that says, congratulations, you shot a blank. Uh, that has genetic ancestry of 50% pintail, 50% mallard, and the mom was pintail based on mitochondrial DNA. So you're going to get to know a little bit more about the duck that you or your son or your daughter or your friend or whoever it is shot. And heck, you can start being like, who shoots, you know, the 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 most wild the most pure mallard or the better the the most pure model duck or maybe you are going after model mallard hybrids and and want to confirm it before you you send it off to a taxidermist you know this is the type of information that we provide you and the hunters are providing us the capacity to get data at landscape levels at time intervals that would be impossible right so this marriage between Ducks Unlimited and and my lab was just perfect. I can't thank Ducks Unlimited and Mike Brazier enough that this is actually becoming a thing, that that it's it's a reality. It's something I've been thinking about for so long, and, and it's just exciting to that we're actually moving forward. And I hope the hunters out there are excited, just as excited as I am. Um, yeah, so this, this is our pilot season. We have 300 of these boxes that um, we're able to send out uh, for everybody that can go and sign up. And these uh, unique boxes, I have to, uh, you know, uh, have to thank the te- Mike Brazier's text, uh, Ashley Tunstall, as well as Kai Victor, as well as my crew, um, Virgie Munzni, as well as Lauren McFarland for helping get this off the ground, even get this off the ground. I mean, we're... T- we're even we're even having figuring out issues currently right before we we talked that we're figuring out some additional issues this is completely new so everybody has to bear with us sorry about that oh, yeah. but we will get this done um and so if you have if you are even interested in something like this and participating please go check out www.duckdna.com d u c k d n a Dot com and sign up sign up your friends sign up your kids whoever you know i think this is a, a hugely beneficial uh program between the hunter and and ourselves and you guys all the hunters all the waterfowl hunters become hunter scientists you know this is a great opportunity and you're going to get to know a little bit more about the ducks you shoot um yeah awesome i know yeah, i just so that's did the uh, nutshell awesome i know right before we get on this call after we were talking about how it was annoying. Zoom updated my entire computer. Updated it. It started us a little late, but we, we we powered through it. I was actually during that time while I was updating, I just got my personal email. So I went to the initial link duckdna.com myself uh, and registered to be a citizen scientist this year to help collect uh, DNA samples. And so I was just navigating the uh, the app and the program. I find it to all of our viewers and listeners. It was very user friendly. It's just like any kind of other normal like bank login or any generic login. And it has very like one, two, three simple instructions. Um, I had a couple of questions about the breakdown of how it works as far as you're mentioning about hybrids and stuff. So you want um, the hunters themselves to submit tissue samples of the tongue of the duck that they may not know what the species is, or is it just send in any duck species you you want? Is there anything yeah, you're so targeting? For- so for this year, we're targeting um, 
we're tar- targeting mallards, especially if you shoot some funky looking mallards or anything like that. And this is due to the the big big project we have with uh, mallards and game farm mallards, and hopefully, I think we talked it touched about touched on it on the last podcast or future podcast. Right. <laughs> uh and and if anybody has any of those kinds of interests like what is he talking about there's plenty of other podcasts i've been on as well as you could check out my lab website if you just google lavretsky lab utep utep you'll find it um and of course you can always contact me at p lavretsky at utep.edu happy to always chat with anybody but yeah so we're, we're targeting mallards black ducks uh model ducks and uh mexican ducks and then really any hybrid but to be fair like if you've got a duck that you're interested in or curious about, send it in. Be you know if you have those five vials, you get each kit has five vials. It's your choice, and we're gonna do all our best to get you the data for all of them. And the reason that we even got to this point is because of all my other studies looking at all the different species of ducks. Um, so we've got good reference sets for most species. We'll beef up the ones we don't. Um, in the coming years. And also, hopefully in the coming years, we'll also get maybe in a year or two, we'll have the capacity to do geese. So you'll have, you'll be able to send me uh, something if you think it's a Ross's white, you know, uh, snow goose mix or something, we could tell you something about that as well. Or potentially, uh, we've in fact, just had one like this, a Canada goose, uh, um, domestic goose, we we were able to tell that apart as well. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so these these uh so currently again mallards, black ducks, model ducks, Mexican ducks, and then any sort of hybrid. Any hybrid that you think is a hybrid, uh you're curious about, um, send it in. But again, any duck that you're curious about will will take. Okay. That uh, that makes that clears up that was my main question, just thumbing through the website from what I've been reading and on the emails you've been sending out was I was like, man, okay, I know I get five vials. But it's one of those things where like, okay, opening day, I kill six ducks. I just pick my favorite five. And that, that answers a big question about um, kind of the target species. So for instance, for me and most of our uh, people that listen to this podcast, we're, we're all over now in the U.S., about 250 average listeners. I'm really proud of that. So thank you all listeners. We've, we've grown a lot since we initiated this podcast here in the summertime. Um, but most of our target audience and generally for this first season, for sure, is going to be losing in a Gulf Coast or overall just generic Gulf Coast hunters. So for us, it'll be model ducks mallard hens uh mallard subspecies that's probably going to be our main questions we have is uh, okay is this a true 100 percent mild duck you always get this one crazy guy in the marsh it's like oh yeah i killed a black duck and you know you- <laughs> yeah well we can tell that crazy guy if that really is a black duck then um yeah right. exactly so you get five vials um you know keep them you can you can go on a hunt you could pick one, you could do five, you could do one, you could wait the whole season, wait until the end of the season. And heck, if you don't get, if you don't fill all five vials, keep them for next year, you know? Uh, It looks like we're going to have a second year, I hope. And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm promoting this. I want, as we want to see what kind of demand is there, right? So maybe I'm just like the crazy duck hunter geneticist who like, who thinks this is just super cool. Um, but, but so we're hoping to get lots of people, um, signed up. Uh, unfortunately we only have 300, but that will also dictate what happens next year. Right. Um, we're right now it's completely free to the hunter. Uh, you sign up, if you get picked, you get the kit, everything is free to the hunter. And again, I have to thank, uh, the donors of ducks unlimited that made that possible, uh, as well as the it support you talked about the website that was all ducks unlimited i gotta thank them they did a great job uh, of course we're going to continue to 
update and 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 get all that you know speak in span as as we learn as we continue to learn what works and what doesn't work but um yeah gotta thank all those p- folks and and uh um yeah so hopefully we get lots of folks signed up and this thing becomes something that goes into the future because honestly the way we see it or the way i see it is every year that we do this that's not only just more samples but across time so we can look at genetic differences potentially of migration patterns or habitat use or why hybrids might be in certain locations or not and ha- you know in the end what we're going to be doing is providing users some nice maps of like this is where hotspots of hybrid of mallard game farm hybridization or this is where all the pure model ducks are or this and you know hopefully we'll provide some information that helps out hunters if they're looking for to, to kill hybrids or to go get their slams or whatever it is and gotcha. and um we're going to do some hopefully do some really cool science where we'll we'll be overlaying all of this on on habitat and linking genetics with that habitat and that then hopefully will provide information to ducks unlimited and others that are looking to understand where they sh- where habitat needs are you know where would they be best served for a wild mallard or or your pure model ducks or whatever it might be very interesting so we talked a little bit how where hunters go right now so right now we're like you mentioned you're in the beta test doing a quick recap there'll be 300 initial hunters chosen out of that have you reached 300 cap yet uh yeah it's been unbelievable i think we hit a thousand wow okay uh so i'm lucky i was one of the a few few days ago a few days ago we were over 900 at 47 states we were missing Alaska, West Virginia, and Hawaii. I don't expect Hawaii. Don't know why we don't have West Virginia, but hopefully we can fill in West Virginia and Alaska, at least just get those on the map. Okay. Um maybe there's no ducks in West Virginia. Uh no. Uh-oh. Uh so <laughs> so so yeah. So um, but again, it's it's all about you know making sure we have a banner year. So the first set of 150 were actually picked. We sort of try to stratify because we were late <laughs> with the with getting this project off the ground this year, but we already did the first 150, which would be hunters in the north. Uh, we primarily looked at those those in, in places where seasons have started or maybe True. ending early, and then the next 150 will be concentrated on on places where seasons are going into December and January and stuff like that, like you guys. Okay. Um, so I definitely I definitely suggest you know keep putting in, keep putting your name in. And, you know, there is definitely potential that that will get, um, you know, hopefully there'll be other funders that are interested in in donating. And if you do, please go to, you know, your friendly Ducks Unlimited uh, rep and, and tell them you want to donate to the Duck DNA project. And that'll increase the number of um, uh, kits that we'll be able to potentially we'll be able to make more and more kits uh, if we get a bit more donations, but right now that's what we're at each kit. Uh, so 300 kits, 150 have gone out. There's another 150 that's going out in late November, early December. Uh, so make sure your name's in the, in the bag. Awesome. Okay. So like for me, I got one of the welcome emails, so I didn't know there was a whole lot of that much competition. So I'm one of the lucky few that got chosen to represent Louisiana. Congratulations to you. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. So of course I haven't got my kit yet, which makes sense because my R season has not opened yet. So that makes total sense. We talked about duckdna.com. That's how you fill out everything. That's how you get your name on the list. So walk me through the process. Okay. So you are selected via an email process and then the email has various instructions, like one, two, three steps. You make an account at duckdna.com, set up your username, password, all right, so now it's time to go hunting. I get my kit in the mail. It's a come in a bag. Walk me through what that kit's going to look like 
how to open yeah, it. I saw that uh, was I weird instructions. Have, I should. Uh, oh, you can't see me anyways. But it's just a. Uh, it's just. Um, uh, a box, you know, if you've ever done like ancestry.com or 23andMe, it's okay. kind of like that. It's just a box. It's a prototype box. So thing, I'm sure things will change. You'll get a cool sticker in there and uh, postage for, to, for return and everything. So open it up. Be careful not to lose the return label and the postage because that's how you're going to get it back to me. Um, and in it will be uh, five vials on the left and then um, uh, five alcohol wipes as well as five of these parafilm so that way when you do uh, put tissue into so alright so you have that you go hunting you get some cool looking duck or right. whatever or a mallard or model duck and you're like you know what I'm just going to send this model duck this year you're going to take something that doesn't come with a kit is uh, I would say either get go, go out and get big uh, toe nail clipper or just use your knife for some shears Okay. And you'll just cut off the the top the first inch or so of the tongue and then you're going to put it into one of the vials. You're going to close that vial and then tape and then wrap it up in that parafilm. The it's already it already is wrapped up in parafilm so you'll see how we do it so just do the same thing. And that just makes sure that none of the uh buffer will spill out or anything like that in okay. transit. Once you do that, I would throw that vial into the freezer. That's what I uh, until you're ready to ship all of them. And then you'll what you'll do is oh, let's say you kill more than one thing that you want to put in a vial. Make sure you take that ethanol wipe and wipe off the blade that you're using to cut, so we don't cross contaminate. Makes sense, right? Okay. And and and, all, and including if you're just like cutting up your breast tissue or whatever, you know, your breast muscle and your the duck up. If you're going to then afterwards cut off the tongue, um, uh, please clean off that knife and make sure it's clean and all that so we don't cross-contaminate. Anyways, so when you when you have all your five ready, they should be in the freezer. Put them back in the box that you have. Uh, there's a self-sealing tape. Seal that up. Make sure to put the return label, the return uh, uh, prepaid, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, return stamp. shipping label. Right. Yep. Return shipping label and put it into your local USPS, and it'll come to me. And then uh, you'll get well. I don't know if that that feature is up there yet, but you'll get some sort of notification that we got it. Hopefully, we'll see what. Kind of, uh, but <laughs> pilot year, pilot year. We know. <laughs> yeah, pilot year. I don't know if we got that that into the program yet. Anyways, um, and then uh, then it, then we take over. We'll do the mitochondrial DNA. We'll do this, which is uh, uh, um, sequencing of a particular gene, and then we'll do which tells us the mom ancestry. And then we'll do the nuclear DNA, which is your kind of 23 and me. Uh, and then we'll tell you, you know, we'll, um, it, it's important. There'll be a bunch of questions that you'll have. And the more information you provide me, the faster the analyses will go. If you give me something and there's no pictures or no info of like what you think it is, it's just going to take me, take us longer to analyze because we're going to have to do it against the large, all waterfowl database. And then kind of keep figuring out what it might be if you tell me it's a modeled mallard well then i'll pull my uh reference mallard and reference uh um wild game farm and model duck and tell you what it is it's just going to be faster in that sense i got you so after uh, you you cut the tongue off so there'll be a, a spot where you can take a picture of the duck you log that id sample off the vial number yeah, i guess the pictures the pictures uh if you can't it, it would be hugely beneficial to us for not only to think try to be like okay we think it's this uh but also for some additional analyses we're going to be trying to do in the future especially with hybrids to figure out 
why does a mallard pintail sometimes look, you know, why does the green in the head is there versus the pintail, like some of the genes associated with those plumages. But anyways, but it also helps us figure out, get a, get a sense of like what this thing might be. And it also lets me also say like people might, I'm sure I have no doubt people will be like, oh, it's a model duck. And I'll be looking at it like, I think it's a hen mallard. Um, you know, right. the, and that'll give us a, a bit better sense. Of course, we're going to pull that in and then also, and then, uh, with genetics, you know, you might tell me it's a male, but I'll look at the picture and be like, mm, I think it's a hen and, and, in that, and for all of them, we'll use genetics to vet the sex as well. So you'll get that information. Um, yeah, the more information you provide us, uh, the better it is. I will also tell you there's a, a place where you could put your latitude and longitude where you shot that thing. I promise that information will not go into any public repository, awesome. but it's important to us because, you know, I'm not there to get your honey hole. It's important to us because that'll refine our analysis of habitat use, right? If any publishable data will always go to the nearest town or something like that. There's no way, there will be no tracebacks to any of this or to you uh, or to the user. So please don't try to, met if you can't, if you don't really don't trust me, I guess just get me the closest town. That'll be fine. But uh, <laughs> the closest to the location where that bird was shot would be most beneficial to to the research, to future research. Okay. So that makes it very awesome. There was a couple of things that walked me through the overall process in more detail. And of course, again, we're looking at mallard-like subspecies, black ducks, model ducks, mallards, dusky ducks, anything brown basically brown hen mallard something like that males and then females you know th that's the other cool thing about this right so in any given lifetime we might only shoot a handful of hybrids right cool hybrids right but if we bring in everybody in the country to try to do this we could get real numbers of hybrids and understand some of that one of the big question one of the easiest or lowest hanging fruit is like is it always just males or is it males because that's the thing that we can see? Right? Uh -huh. So the more of the so if you shoot a funky looking female, let's test it. You know, let's understand whether there it really is some sort of breakdown amongst the sexes where there are no female hybrids, or maybe because they're all cryptic looking, they just look like a female to us, even if they're a hybrid. But the genetics is going to tell us exactly what that thing is. From a hunter's perspective, things I was thinking about. So for me. Uh, here in South Louisiana on, on the Gulf Coast, we shoot very few mallards, but there's a lot of times model ducks get thrown in the mix and they can look funky just from, uh, you know, different golf course hen mallard getting freed up next to, uh, you know, stuff's always expanding here in South Louisiana, urbanization, losing marshland. So you get potential hybrids from there that I've had questions about. Then also for, for us, teal season's a big one. And there's always a couple of guys that you know, they they say, oh, yeah, I got a biology degree. And they look at that one. I think this is a cinnamon teal when it's an early season. And the odds of oh, that yeah. are ridiculously low. But they always say a couple of cinnamons are killed in Louisiana in early teal season. Really? You'll never know the difference. So as me as a hunter, it's it'd be for where I hunt, it'd be questions on some of those model ducks. And it probably some teal um, early in the season, as I think for, for me. The only other weird thing I've ever shot was... Shot an old squad public land hunting on the Texas coast before. I don't know what a sea duck. We don't know what sea ducks are. I'm, I'm in coastal Louisiana. You know, we did, yeah, like dogree or scop is like the only thing close we get to anything like diver related. Sometimes and ringnecks maybe. 
So I didn't know what the heck it was. So that'd be the only thing I could think of. And I still don't know if it's a male or female, to be honest, it was juvenile. So no, no long tail or anything like that. So. Oh yeah. No, that happened to me. I shot a, uh, I was, I was out hunting in New Mexico and, and this thing came through and, you know, I, ha- I don't shoot sea ducks. Right. But I knew the wing beat and the way it was. I was like, what is, and I, and I shot it. Turned out to be a surf scoter, but, wow. but it was be- just because I know, you know, I, I teach it. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Totally lost. I was like, what are you doing here? Um, so, so things like that, put it in, you know, I got Sample you. That. And like you said, you know, if you've got a, a bird, you want to go and argue on, on social media or whatever it is, go get it tested. Let's do it. And then you could be like, well, there's no more arguments. Well, this is what it is. Right. Uh, <laughs> one thing I was thinking of the back of my mind, let's say some guys, I see some mounts, for example, I'm watching you on your screen. We're not going to publish the video, of course, but you got some mounts behind you. Um, would someone be able to turn in like an old piece of, if they really want to right now? No, right now. No. That. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've already had that kind of question. Um, we can definitely do mounts, but it, it is a completely different process. Right. I figured it's so. much more time consuming. It's much more expensive. Um, we could do it maybe in the future. We'll, we'll add something like this at cost. It's going to be more, <laughs> right? Right. Um, Won't be part uh, of your free five. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. You, if you, it's just not going to work. You're going to put it in, and the the DNA is going to be too degraded. It's just not going to work the way with the techniques that we we're trying to use. Okay. Um, in the future, like I said, there could be option. Those those could be options if we if we go down that path. Um, that was the other thing I was going to say. So yeah. So we we've tested this. The buffer that you're going to do you have is new um bear with us i've never tested you know this is new we've tested a little bit uh results have been really phenomenal uh so far but we have no idea how this is going to work when we're shipping them all over the country so i assume as as it as it has been about maybe five percent fail rate so we're going to do our best we're going to try it several times uh but also understand that we're learning just as much as you're learning and so I'm sure there'll be a bit of a fail rate. Hopefully it's even lower than that. But typically it's something like one or 2% fail rate, no matter what, just, you know, DNA's bad or sample's bad, or you left it out and the sun's beating on it or something like that. Um, and that's why we ask everybody just to like, you know, best thing to do, get into the buffer as quickly as possible, put it into somewhere it's away from the sun. The sun is the worst uh, uh, th- that's, that's what breaks down DNA the fastest. So, and then the best thing is to get it frozen up as quick as possible. That basically stops all degradation. And then once you ship it over, should be good. Now the buffer itself, we've tested it out. It, it looks like it holds everything together for at least one or two weeks. So if you're out in the field and stuff like that, you know, again, just keep it out of the sun. Otherwise should be good, but this is pilot year. We're, we're going to learn just as much as you. Awesome. Good to know. Um, so you mentioned how 47 states were represented. You're waiting on Alaska, West Virginia, and Hawaii. But how many hunters are you trying to target per state? Are you looking at a per flyway type basis? Yeah. So so right now it's, it's uh, yeah, trying to do it evenly across the flyways. Like I said, the first 150, Mike Brazier and those at, at, at Ducks Unlimited, and rightfully so, we sort of decided, like, because we were late to the game, let's get uh, these samples out to places where season's open, it's going, people can get us samples. And then that next 150 will go to places where seasons are just opening. Um, so 
that's sort of how we broke it down. Otherwise, it's completely random. Okay. You know, you get picked, you get picked. Um, again, in the future, really hoping that you know we get continued support. There's, you know, if you if you love something like this or you like this idea, please contact me or Mike Brazier. And in fact, we have what is it, DuckDNA at ducks.org. You can just email, and uh, I'm pretty sure one of the teams, uh, Ashley, Kai, or or Mike, will will answer your questions. Again, if you can't remember that, just find me online, and and I'm happy to answer questions as well. Uh, make sure you tell talk to your DU representative. Say that I really like this. I hope this is a future thing, and get signed up, and make sure that this thing goes into forever. I, I hope it's forever. I mean, the the amount of information, the amount that we can learn if this continues is uh, unprecedented, you know, so I can't tell you like what else we can learn because there's no other system doing what we're trying to do. And this would put waterfowl and keep waterfowl at the forefront of wildlife conservation as it has, as, as it always has been. Oh, for sure. Uh, a couple of the questions I had were in relation to this project, how you're able to, you're talking about the pictures briefly there, how you have another future plan stemming off from this project. Do you yeah. think it would help uh, with the stuff you're gathering from this information to how it might future affect regulations as far as, hey, we're, we're hunters oh, here, we're gathering this questions. data. I know in South Texas, the uh, uh, dusky duck has always been a thing uh, where you yeah. only have one of them in your bag, so they might limit you if another flock of mallards comes through, for example, you know, stuff like that we always think about in the back of our minds. Uh, is there you know, anything you can see that could I, help positively impact I will those first kind of things? Caveat this: I am not talking about regulations because it's not my job. I provide data. The for sure, for sure. Fish and wildlife state agencies do that. Okay, and I foresee something where we continue to partner up and for, absolutely, you know, where as we refine the our understanding of where birds are, including like you're talking about in Texas. Then potentially, you know, those locations where, oh, there's a whole bunch of model ducks we didn't know about that were up there. Those are the pure model ducks. Maybe you have one or two up there, but you might have to close it somewhere else where it's like, no, these are all hybrids. Or potentially, hey, these are all hybrids. Let's like, let's target that. Maybe they don't count against your bag. I don't know. Again, I'm not suggesting anything. I just could foresee it as a hunter For sure. at this moment. Um as you can see, I, 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 I do not, I am not here to overstep my play, uh, or play. So I, I definitely, uh, um, apprehensive to tell you yes or no, but I, can I see it? Sure. Absolutely. Cause I even have these kinds of discussions with state and federal agencies. You know, this is brand new data. Genetics is not a, like a typical thing that has been a data stream to make management decisions, but I am insanely, proud and excited that it's becoming right people are starting to be like okay just like banding or you know uh um wing bees or anything like that that have been so important to to make management decisions i am just proud to see that genetics is starting to come into play of like all right it actually has a place in the table uh with that provides just more information more understanding to make those kinds of decisions uh, and make sure that they're founded with the most latest and greatest technologies. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Definitely not, did not mean to do a trap question there, but I know oh, it's no, something no. like everybody asks me those questions and, uh, and I want to make sure I, I make particular statements to make sure that all the, if any state or federal agent 
uh, is listening to this and they know who I am. <laughs> they understand. I'm a, I, I, I am here for data streams research. And uh, at this point also, I'm just excited to provide some information on some cool ducks for hunters. Like, Hey man, you shot this really cool duck. You thought it was a pintail mallard, but in fact, it's uh it's some domestic bird or something like that. So sorry, but or vice right. versa. You're like, I don't know, you know, or or like you said, uh, all those blue wing teal that look like juvenile blue wing teal that haven't come to plume. And you're like, oh, for sure, this is a cinnamon teal. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Right, right, right. <laughs> Definitely cool stuff for sure. And I, I can foresee hopefully down the road all the stuff that we're doing. Like, I mean, I'm I do the the hip program where we collect wings and right. stuff like that. I'm already doing that. Uh, like on a volunteer basis and send off the cards and the forms and do all that paperwork. This is something else is, I mean, you get hunters like me and a couple of my group of friends who like to see all this, all the sciencey stuff, you know, I know we've, you'll, our, our listeners will listen on a future podcast of how we nerded out about uh, my, <laughs> my pharmacy background, taking genetics back in college, you know, but um, okay. not everyone, most people are just out there just to have a good time with their kids and enjoying the outdoors. But this is something else, in my opinion, take your hunting game to the next level, like something cool, to do while you're out you're going out there anyway you know to help change the future exactly. of hunting for you're generations out you're out there you never know what you're going to get you know we have this capacity to get brand new never before kind of data streams and unless i can figure out how to clone myself and and just go hunting everywhere all the time i need them i need you i need the hunters just like uh just like i've always said in the podcast if it wasn't for hunters in the past and in the future uh i wouldn't be able to do the work i do so i i'm always thankful for you know not only as a waterfall hunter but also as a researcher oh yeah for sure um kind of moving on through here a couple other questions we had um basically so you turn everything in you get the results back at some point the end of the year whenever you get them processed you said yeah. there's a certificate like a little email certificate you could print out frame it like hey print congratulations out, this is, uh, whatever you want yeah, yeah. Okay. So the ter- current time frame, best case scenario, we're thinking two weeks. This is what. Wow. Just okay. because we're hoping, right? So you got to bear with me though, because I'm <laughs> sure I'm going to hit some lags. I mean, one of the things is like we don't know how many samples at a time are going to actually be coming in. So then it's you know how much can my computer take? You know, my, how many computers am I going to break if I'm trying to do 500 of these different analyses? What kind of computers computational? you know, the uh, capacities are we going to need in the future. We're going to learn all these types of things. Like where are those potholes that we need to fill in the, the future to get it? But so we're hoping for two weeks, but I would say give us three to four weeks after you send it in to get it, to get you the data. But yeah, we're hoping within a month. Um, if it's a little after I, I apologize, but it's just going to, okay. you know, if we get in and if it's, if it's not a trickle and we just get inundated, I'm going to learn something about our computers because we'll see how they handle it. Oh yeah. And like, or just like, <laughs> you know, workflow processes, how like okay, exactly. 20 samples come in. Um, do you have to like prioritize them by like when the sample was killed to get the best DNA fragmentation data? You think? No, no, we're, we're just going to, pri- we're just going to do them to, uh, the day they come in, they start getting extracted. That's our, okay. pro- that's our process. This is, I mean, it's the numbers aren't, aren't outside of what we typically do. You know, we have other studies where people are sending us 200 birds, at, wow, okay. you know, 200 samples at a time. So it's not completely outside of our, of our realm. What's outside of our realm is that we're finishing all of those. And then it's part of a study. So I've got time to like deal with stuff. What we want to do is get this, get the data to you as quickly as possible. You can get some results for you. Um, 
And and it's just before it'd be like, okay, these are all mallards, they're all model ducks, and I already know a bunch of information. Here it's like, all right, you sent me some like weird looking sea duck hybrid thing. You know, that's gonna be a completely different analysis than if you gave me a mallard. Right. I'm going to have to pull different data sets at different times and figure all that kind of stuff out. So those streams are important to me. Those differences are important to me because it's also going to tell me, like, what can I do in the future to 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 streamline that, make new pipelines, new bioinformatic pipelines to figure out. All right. This this, you know, we figured out we kind of condense it that we think it's a uh yeah, you know, uh, Barrow's golden eye, a golden eye, like hooded merganser hybrid. All right. So then I would tell the thing like, okay, I think it's these two. It combines the data sets, runs the analyses for me. Um, cause right now it's all going to be hand by hand, me mostly. So again, just got to bear with us. We're going to learn, like I said, in the beginning and throughout, we're going to learn just as much as you are. Awesome. I know you briefly described the process of what it might ask you. And of course you already reiterated, it's not going to give up your honey, favorite honey hole. It's not going to give up yep. your favorite. Like some people are in South Louisiana, they have lease agreements and you can't post anything that you kill in this marsh, you know? So there's a lot of strict rules, but basically it's safe to do so. If you wanted to answer a question, it's okay to put the longitude lab to uh, coordinates. Absolutely. Make sure. Like I said, everything's going to go to town, like lo- nearest town or township, something like that. And whenever we do maps anyways, I mean, the, 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 the like points are going to be the size of the state, you know, like showing points right. of like, this is where all the samples are coming from. Isn't it cool? Um, you're never going to be like, oh, it's that marsh. I know it. Um, and again, anything that we publish into the future, uh, where we have to provide data of like where those points are coming from, they will not be the lat longs you provide. They will be subsetted to the nearest town. Uh, but again, we need those lat longs, you know, giving us an urban town for a bird that was shot in some nice rural looking a habitat is going to um, negate our ability to analyze at habitat level then. So we're, we really need to know like where that bird was. So that way we can ask the question, why was that bird there? Yeah. Was it in a cornfield? So was it in a timber? Keep, you know. If you keep telling, if you're from uh, Georgia and you keep telling me everything's from Atlanta, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> right, 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 right. That totally makes sense. A couple of things, um, just ideas I had about things that might ask on the app, and you feel free to clarify any of this. I know whenever you go hunt some public WMAs on lottery hunts in Louisiana or anything like that, they ask they have a big like laundry list of questions of like how many decoys you use, what type of hunting style did you do? Um spinning wing decoys is is the no. question. So I mean, yeah. I've always been curious, is there like a genetic oh, propensity? to you know just for certain species that's or certain sexes question. to be attracted to just a spinning wing decoys i'm just yeah. like curious i think that would be something cool to add in there because people that's always a big topic like some states have banned spinning wing decoys right yeah. and other people are like okay well, we only use them during teal season because they don't work after that because we want to shoot other types of ducks that's always been a thing like you know the back of hunters minds um just in general no so. that's a that's a great question and if just like you if anybody else has like those kinds of questions that we didn't even think about those are great questions to have of like hey did you use spinning wing decoys you know maybe hybrids have a higher propensity because they're like a weird mix or you know maybe and it yeah you're right i mean that would be a very great question if you've got game farm or game farm wild hybrids and to see if like they if there's a higher propensity, if there's a, a, a 
a, a non-zero probability of those coming into your spread versus a true wild mallard? Right. I think it's a great question. Or it could be it's something that we opposite. could definitely ask if at this, if we get samples at the scales that I hope and dream of, um, for sure. Those are cool questions. That'd be my question. I mean, like, cause like just anecdotally from what we see in, in where we hunt, it's like, okay, teal, green wing, blue wing. They don't care. They come in right in. They love them. And yeah. then it's like, sometimes you have to have them on a remote and turn them off after 10, whenever other stuff you want to shoot comes in. So I would, I would love to know if it's, I know you're getting only mallard like subspecies, but like, you know, gadwall gray ducks. I would love to know if, yeah. you know, if it, is it a thing or is people just have old wives tales, old wives tales, stuff like that. Uh, I think that'd be something cool to add in there no. in the future. Yeah, please. Uh, hopefully there'll be some sort of comment section or again, just email us with those types of questions or comments and be like, that, you know, things that we can't think we're not thinking of. Right. Um, that's great. That was a great question. Oh, thank you. We, we try. We try here at the uh, <laughs> Southern Reese podcast to, to keep there you go. enlightening everybody. Uh, so anything else you can think of as relates to duck DNA, how it works mechanically? What um, anything else you want to summarize? No, it's pretty self-explanatory. I think it's self-explanatory. When you get your kit, there'll be um, um, not only QR codes, but a nice uh, diagram of exactly what you should be doing. Uh, you know, go out and hunt. And if you get something cool and you've got one of these kits, uh, it's your chance to be a scientist. You know, put it in and let's see what it looks like. And again, uh, it's, if there are any issues or anything like that, please let us know. Cause we're, again, we're learning as much as you are and, and we will refine everything based on what we learn. Um, so if there's something that's not working for you, I'm sure it's not working for everybody else. Kind of be like being in a class. If somebody asks a question, I'm sure that question is across a bunch of people, not just you. Um, so make sure you ask questions, give us comments. Um, cause we'll build off those those questions and comments. So I'm excited to hear about it. I'm excited to hear from hunters. If you don't like it, I'm excited to hear from you. If you <laughs> like it, please let us know. Um, yeah, the good, the bad, the ugly. We want to know everything. Awesome. And so you're... I, I definitely know. I definitely want to know everything. So, Oh yeah, for sure. So um, talk about duck DNA. So just in general with you, uh, Dr. Phil, like, so your hunting season's coming up too here next couple of weeks, week. right? That's right. So, yeah, uh, so what, what's your outlook? Uh, how's the water situation and stuff like that? There's been a lot of water, but, uh, they've, I, I'm, I've gotten word where I hunt. They, the water level should be more normal, quote unquote. And so I'm pretty excited. I'll be out there. I'll figure some stuff out. Um, uh, and, uh, I imagine there should be birds. There we I can't go. Imagine there won't be birds. It's a matter of just understanding where the water is every year. Where I hunt every year is completely different. So it takes a couple hunts, but um but there has never been a year where there weren't birds. So that's gonna be fun. So we'll that see. is awesome. It's always fun. Yeah, we're playing uh the drought game bad over here in South Louisiana. Yeah. I mean, like stuff that used to be marsh that hasn't been dry in a hundred years, it's like cracked earth. It's crazy. Mm. So we don't know how it's really going to be till season was hit or miss for me had a really good days and then had like one duck days we always talk about yeah. it on the podcast so looking forward to oh, no, me un- and uh that, me- that's unfortunate but no it's looking good uh even our river still has water never seen that before so that's why uh the, now i've got a few different options even pretty close to home so pretty excited to see how that works out um i'll be i'll be sampling with everybody else there you go you get you you get more than five vowels though, right i would I, think- I get more than five. I get my my own vials. 
That's awesome. <laughs> I know me and Ryan were looking for, we talked about the future podcast will be coming out when we initially did our first one with you. Uh, it's me crazy. People are going to hate me for posting these in this order, but we're, we're going to do it. All right. We're going to make it work. Uh, uh, but we talked about, uh, we're we going to come make a hunt it. with y'all. So we, yeah, uh, no, well, yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I'll, I'll definitely have everything figured out by then. Uh, as long as the birds cooperate, but, but yeah, December, January, those are really good year, good time points. Uh, it's going to be cold. Could be really cold. But at that point, there should be we interchange of the major duck. Now, there's always like uh, sets of Mexican ducks and mallards and stuff. But every every year it changes between the major, the other major duck being gadwall or widgeon. So we'll see okay. what, what. Oh, and, and then three years ago, it was just balls of teal the entire season, just like hundreds, hundreds of teal. It was weird. Um, and and so and the occasional pintail almost every time. So hopefully. Hopefully, so we'll see what we'll see what uh, the migration gives us. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, so our bread and butter ducks over here are like green wing teal, blue wing teal, gray duck, which is gadwall. So if you're yeah. telling me that you can get into balls of widgeon, that that really excites me. I've killed like five total in my life, so that'd be tight. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, I think it was four, four last year. <laughs> four. Oh, there you go. Four seasons ago, the major duck was widgeon, and it was just like it. it my bag was like. You know, out of the six, there's always like three to five of them were were the widget, and then like, cool. I would try to wait. I'm not very good at waiting. I'm always just like I'm duck hunting. I'm gonna shoot this widget. Exactly. And the way they come in, I love I love when widget decoy in and stuff like that. They're great. Oh, for sure. Well, we uh we beat the duck DNA horse uh pretty well. I think our listeners have a good idea of kind of what it's about. So if you have any kind of bottom line summary about duck DNA, um, anything at all, if you had to summarize it. Now it's your chance. It's your chance to be a scientist and continue to contribute to uh, waterfowl conservation in ways that no other species has, and maintain waterfowl conservation at the forefront of wildlife conservation. And so, I hope folks are just as excited as I am about it and the opportunities that they present. And and in the end, you get a uh, get to know your duck a little bit more and and get to share stories. And you can um, you know. You get you, you can bet on who's going to get the purest mallard or model duck or whatever, and that should be fun times. And so again, get your uh, get get involved. Uh, go to www.duckdna.com. Hopefully, we'll be able to put that in the in the like script or whatever. Oh, for sure. Doesn't this and uh, get your name in the hat and contact me anytime at p lavretsky l a v r e t s k y at utep.edu, as well as duckdna at ducks.org. Uh, and we were, we are here to answer your questions and we appreciate everybody that's, uh, put their name in and, and contribute and yeah, uh, hopefully everybody's excited as I am. Oh, for sure. Well, we always appreciate you having here at the Southern Roots podcast, Dr. Phil. And so don't forget everybody, duckdna.com, get out there. It's your chance to become a citizen scientist for real and uh, get your name in the hat. And this is definitely some good science that helps future generations of duck hunters, in my opinion, for sure. So. We did, again, appreciate everybody being on listening today. It's another episode of The Southern Roost. We're signing off. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Southern Roost, the podcast show for the Flyways and Highways Collective. Connect with us by searching Flyways and Highways on Instagram or Facebook. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review on wherever you get your podcast from. It really does make a difference. Tell a friend about our show. Even better, bring someone new into our beloved duck culture. Till next time, this is The Southern Roost, signing off.